for that all have sinned. So we could say that you and I, as believers in the Lord, that we were, in all mankind I should say in this instance, are all in the loins of Adam. So when Adam sinned, you sinned. He's the head of the human race. We can't disconnect ourselves from our relationship to Adam. There's a biological, genetic relationship between Adam and I, in you. We can't get out of that. We can't deny it. It's a fact. It's a truth. And the Scripture says that, yes, we have been, with Christ now, crucified. In a similar way that what Christ's action was, was an action on my behalf as well. Can I get the next picture up? So... I have been crucified with Christ. My point of showing you this picture is so that you will understand that this person is actually being crucified. Um, this does go on in the world, by the way, in Mexico and different places um, for the crazy reasons, wrong reasons, just distorting uh, Christianity or whatever. But the reason why I have that up there is because I want you and I to understand that our being crucified with Christ was not us having to go through some kind of a crucifixion of our own or we were not a bystander with Christ when He was being crucified as ones on the cross too. But rather we were intricately involved with Christ's death in the sense of our union with Him. So when Paul says, I am crucified with Christ... That's not the end of the story, thankfully. Just like Christ is risen from the dead, so we're raised from the dead. Can I have the next picture? I want you to look at these scriptures here. Um, next one, Michael. Now here's an example. Okay, thank you. Get, get that next one there that you had. Okay, Romans 6, 6. Look at this. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Those red highlighted words, old self was crucified with him. The old man, the old me. You know, Paul was given a new name, Saul. We, in a sense, after our conversion, should have a new name. Um, and I know we don't. I'm still Gary. I was Gary. I'm going to be still Gary until the end. I, it'll probably be on my gravestone. That's going to be my name forever. Yeah, that's a thank you for that too. Um, but when we got saved, we, in, in a sense, it would almost be better for us to understand ourselves in our relationship with Christ as having a different name, because we. We don't live the way we used to because we died with Him like Christ was raised from the dead. So we too have been raised from the dead. Now look at chapter 7, verse 4. I alluded to that. You have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to Him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. Notice that. The body of Christ so that you may belong to another. At one time you didn't belong to Christ. Now you and I belong to Him. It says in 1 Corinthians 6.19, You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You belong to another. Just like 
the wife whose husband dies or the husband whose wife dies, when she dies and he marries another, that's his wife now. When we get saved, we take on another union. Our first union was that which was with Adam, the first man. When we get saved, when God reveals to us Christ who bore the penalty of our sins on the cross, we then become united to Him. So we're no longer in the Adamic lineage, but we're in the spiritual lineage belonging to Christ, our second Adam, the Lord, the head of the church. 1 Corinthians 8.11, get that up, Michael, please. Besides the book of Galatians and Romans, here's a verse that probably, I, I, I would guess many of you have never thought of this verse, this way at least. This has to do with stumbling one another. Uh, when you stumble one another, uh, someone, a fellow Christian, it's, it's injurious. It, it is something very wrong about that. And Paul says, because of your knowledge, that is knowledge about the truth that was being which was creating a puffed-upness of the Corinthians that they were abusing, so to speak, the knowledge that they had and they were crushing the consciences of their fellow believers. Because of your knowledge, the weak brother is destroyed. The brother for whom Christ died. That expression, the brother, the sister, for whom Christ, this individual personal atonement. Yesterday in doing outdoor evangelism, uh, we have a bunch of people that come up to the table and take different things and we give them food and so on. And uh, I was down one end and a, a sister was handing some things out and talking to this uh, fellow and she, and she waves me over and she says, could you talk to him? He's wondering whether or not he's saved. So I went around and I started talking to him. I forget his, his name was Michael. I said, so Michael, tell me what you believe. Do you believe that Christ died for your sins? And he said, well, I believe that he died for all of us. And I was trying to show him the difference between believing that he died for all of us and for Christ dying for us individually and personally. You see, when we were a part of nominal Christianity, we all could say and did say, we believe Jesus died for us. But it wasn't until God revealed to you personally what Jesus accomplished on the cross that you were able to say, Christ died, like Paul says, the Son of God loved me and gave Himself for me. This is something very personal. And I said, it's not until you come into a personal relationship with Christ by receiving Him as the Lord and Savior of your life, by surrendering, by saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Come into my life. Save me. Change me. Make me your own. Wash me in your precious blood. You don't have a relationship with Him. But you can, if you're willing, by God's grace, to trust Christ and surrender to Him with all of your heart. You see... Jesus is truly the Savior of the world. He's the Savior of the church. Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her, Ephesians 5.29. But the Bible also says that the Son of God loved me and gave Himself for me. So one is very generic. He's the Savior of the world, all without distinction. But he died for the church, that's for the many in the world for whom he died. And then it's even reduced to a lower denomination, he died for me. 
And you know, our brother was trying to give a, a, an exhortation and an admonishment about partaking of the Lord's Supper. But really, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, if you don't know Him personally, to take those elements is hypocritical. It's, it's out of order because you cannot discern the Lord's body. Now, I know that has to do with the body of believers, but also the actual dying body of Jesus. What does that mean to you personally? For us who believe, it should mean everything. And that's what we are totally dependent upon. I had to speak at another uh, service this morning somewhere else, and I was saying to the group of people, can you say if an angel met you at the gate of heaven and said, why should I let you in? What would you say? I was talking about the Passover lamb, and Moses gave instructions to the children of Israel. First he said to have a lamb for the house, and then take the lamb, and then it goes on to say, and your lamb. So it goes from a lamb to the Lamb, to your Lamb. Christ is the Savior of all men. A Lamb. The Lamb. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. There's no other Lamb. There's no other way of getting right with God. And then lastly, your Lamb. I love that expression. Your Lamb. A house for the Lamb. A Lamb, the Lamb, your Lamb. When you can say Jesus is your Lamb... Praise God, you're a child of the living God. We have that assurance and blessed peace with God. So Paul goes on to say, I do not nullify. I don't set aside. And that's why he's bringing up 2.20. Paul didn't just just place this verse in, in, in a, out of the context, which we often do do that, as I said before. And we can quote this verse out of context and it still had very meaningful truth to it. But as we put it in the context, we can see what Paul is saying. I'm not living under any shadow of the law. I have no bondage. I have, as he says, I do not, if I did live that way, I would be nullifying. I would be setting aside the grace of God. So the grace of God is in great contrast to those that live under the law of God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Romans 6 in verse 14. It's the same sort of emphasis. How important it is to understand that we do not nullify the grace of God. You would be if you were putting yourself in a state of having to live the ABCs, or I've got to do this, or I've got to do that. I've got to take a circumcision. I've got to take these dietary regulations and so on. Because Paul says, if that was the case, if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died in vain. It was meaningless. So everything, everything hangs on the finished work of the Lord Jesus. He paid it all. I'm going to have Brother Mike going to put up a video clip, four minutes. I hope that it will move your heart. 
uh, as we think about the finished work of the Lord Jesus, and I hope we can praise him as you listen to a brother named D.J. Ward, an acquaintance of mine, and Brother Mark, so we knew him, uh, we heard him, and apparently uh, together for the gospel pick, picked up a, a short clip of him speaking, and uh, I'd like you to listen to this four-minute message and I hope it will bring great edification and that it will rivet your heart and you will say, praise the Lord, it is finished. Can you play it out so everybody can hear that? I contend this morning that the death of Christ was not an attempt. It was an accomplishment. Now, brothers and sisters, when one accomplishes something, it means somewhere... They had to have an assignment. Well, what was the assignment? His name shall be called Jesus. For he shall save, not attempt to save, not try to save, not hope to save, not want to save, but he shall save his people from their sin. Is that right? I said, is that right? Now I hear this. I hear this. I hear it on televisions. I hear it in churches. That God has done all he can do. The rest is up to you. If the rest is up to you, then he didn't accomplish it. If anything is up to you, he didn't accomplish it. I've even heard this. You've got to help God save you. He can't do it by himself. If God cannot do it by himself, then he didn't accomplish it. He's a false god. He's a liar. And you best not trust him. If he didn't do it, then we ought to stop singing, Jesus paid it all. Saying he paid some of it. Now, brothers and sisters, if he did not accomplish it, we are here in vain. And you can have all of the religion you want. If this was not accomplished, we're going to hell. It's just that blunt, it's just that simple, it's just that clear. But if he did do it, he doesn't need your best and your works need not speak for you. If he did do it, you can leave here rejoicing that your sins are now under the blood. And he stands as your substitute, your mediator before God this morning. Plead in the blood. Plead in his blood. That perfect sacrifice, that holy attainment, he's pleading the blood. You can rest. That all of my sins are under that blood. Did he accomplish it? Did he fail? Do we need 
Mohammed to come after him? Do we need another prophet after him? I declare this morning, he paid it all. He paid it all. Every drop of it, every sin I was going to commit, every sin I thought about committing, he nailed it to his cross. Is that right? Is that right? <laughs> Amen. We need a good preacher in this house sometime. Uh, bringing Brother DJ back. He went to be with the Lord a few years ago. But Brother Mark and I, man, we were on the edge of our seat or standing and shouting out, Hallelujah, brother. Preach on. Huh? No, well, I don't, I could have been, I don't think so, I'm, I'm not sure, but that's exactly the kind of preaching that we, we experienced. He used to give a lot of heat, but what he knew the best was the gospel. He was not a great theologian or teacher, but he knew the gospel, and he loved the gospel, and I hope you got a flavor for the gospel. And I think before we have an open season of praise, let's sing together, were you there when they crucified my Lord? like to participate in the open verbal communicating with with the Lord for praise please do so and I'll close it at a certain point and give thanks for the bread brother Mike do you have something for us